This was the first one, January 27th, 2013. Dear actor, please do not write the casting associate, quote, I am asking for an audition slot because I read your audition notice and your season looks interesting, end quote. And then proceed to ask, when are the auditions? Where are they being held? What are the dates for the season? And, oh yes, what shows are you doing? Apparently, the only thing interesting enough for you to read in my audition notice was the email of the casting associate. Sincerely, the artistic director. P.S. We're the Michigan Shakespeare Festival, not the Theater Festival of Michigan. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever it is, wherever you are. I'm Austin Titchener, one-third of the Reduced Shakespeare Company, and you're listening to this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast, number 846, Dear Actor Letters. It is that time of year when summer theaters begin their casting process and actors send cover letters inquiring about audition opportunities. Janice L. Blixt is the producing artistic director of the Michigan Shakespeare Festival and every so often will post an imaginary response to a particularly clumsy letter on her Facebook page. I find these imaginary responses incredibly helpful when I think about cover letters I've received and or written myself. So I asked Jan to join me on the podcast to talk about them. And we began our conversation with a couple of important disclaimers. As a theater, we get between 500 and 700 of these emails every single season. So 99.95% of them are professional and clear and everything you want them to be. And then the 0.05% that aren't are sometimes hilarious. Well, and I think that needs to be stressed that, that you and I are both actors uh, Mm -hmm. and both directors and both run companies and we love actors, love actors, love actors. And these sorts of communication misfires on the, on the, on the part of people seeking jobs is true across industries. It's not unique to theater. Absolutely. There's an entire Reddit forum on like how to have a good resume, how to do a right cover letter, how to, you know, update these things so that you're talking to current hiring people. This came out of just a sense. And and this was on Facebook. So this was and my Facebook page is closed. So this was to my friends, most of them in the industry, most of the people who read these and respond to these get it. Because they've either been there, also seen it, or they're blown away that someone tried it. Or we've, or some of us have made those mistakes in the past and written yes. letters identical to this. That's the thing that that tickled me about. I mean, your letters, your imaginary responses to these uh, actors, if you were to write these letters for real, are always entertaining. And you're right; we've all sort of seen these, seen this behavior. But the the biggest fear for me is that. I've made these mistakes in the past. And some of them are taught. There was a year, I don't know who was teaching what class, but at least 10 actors came into my audition room and when they finished their monologues, turned, shook hands and said, and when will I be hearing from you? Oh dear. In exactly that tone of voice. Oh dear. So someone 
taught that somewhere. You yeah. know, somewhere along the line, there was a class, an audition class, because there's tons of them out there. Yeah. And that was the thing for a year. And after the third one, Rob, the guy that I direct with a lot, we just, we were looking at each other and going, someone's teaching that somewhere. Interesting. And I think it was part of that whole, um, in the late, in the, in the early teens, uh, suddenly people were trying to be a little more, um, uh, uh, forward on expectations, people yeah. in the business. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't just, Hey, I'm auditioning and I'm leaving. It's like, I'm going to do that last moment of hard sell. And when will I be hearing from you? You know? It, yes. I, it, I, I don't it, know. It, 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 it's a, it's an attempt at professionalism, which I admire, Mm -hmm. But in our business, that's really hard. A question like that is particularly hard to forecast. Right. And this did not, in, in my world, this did not cut them out of the running. I actually hired one of them, mm -hmm. one of the 10 who did this. Um, but these things do come up and they seem to come in waves. Again, through what is being taught, what people are picking up from each other, or someone just telling a story of, hey, this worked for me. And then suddenly everybody does it. What's the the story of um, uh, Barbara Streisand with the the gum and yes. putting the gum under the chair? How many thousands of actors tried that after that? Yes, exactly. Yeah, the the story is she was chewing gum during her whole audition, and before she sang, she she stuck her gum under the stool, and right. then after she and after she blew everybody away and left, somebody went up and checked the stool. There was no gum. Right. It was an entire bit. Because yeah. that was the character she was being when she came in. Yeah, so. fantastic. Um, uh, well, this is the thing. I mean, what I try to do when I audition, when I'm in a room, I always try to finish up, say any questions, great, and wish wish the auditioners good luck. Because I know they've got a job to do, too. And I'm just one of many people they're trying to fit into the puzzle or not trying to fit into their puzzle. Yeah. Well, there's that. And it's also hard to convince an actor that as someone who is hiring for a show, who is casting, I desperately want them to be the answer to my prayers. Be my I'm solution. on their side 100% when they yeah. come into my room yeah. because they're gonna, they're what I want, they're what I need. I want them to be terrific. It, it's not adversarial unless it's made adversarial. And I mean, I okay, I'm an actor. I know I've been in rooms where you felt that way and I get it, it's just not my room. I, I I think not enough training programs, I think, let actors sit in on auditions and be on the other side of the table to learn how the decisions are made. I mean, you only sort of get that if you're directing a show yourself. Agreed. Um, and, and I it, and honestly, so... I think everyone should ask. Yeah. I mean, absolutely ask. The worst thing that's going to happen is that someone's going to say, no, you can't sit in. But I mean, I know... As a director, I'm sitting in auditions and I'm wanting to hire people, but there's also that little actor voice in the back of my head who's like, oh, that was really good. Oh, I love that monologue. I never even considered doing something like that. And suddenly, like, my brain is working in different ways in terms of me as an actor. Yeah. Um not saying I watch auditions to steal other people's monologues. I'm just saying that you just kind of have those moments. And at the end of the day, you seriously have the the memory of, right, that was good. And that's why that was good. And, you, you know, that little trick that we were all taught really worked for that person. You know, it 
it is a great reminder of all of the stuff that we learn in audition classes. And then we oftentimes forget as we become self-focused for the auditions. Right. Do you find this is a question, this is a question I wanted to ask Jessica Phoebus because she just directed me and a bunch of other people in Christmas Carol. Right. And, and I realize that so many of the actors in the company are also directors and playwrights and creatives in addition to being actors. Do you find it's nice to work with actors who are also directors or who have some sense? Is that a thing you look for or have you even thought about that? This is something that I like a great deal. And I have also as an actor worked with directors who don't like that at all. Yeah. I am a, a director who, when I say at the beginning, like every director since the dawn of man has said, I'd really like to hear what you have to say. I'd really like your opinion on things. You got to kind of navigate that because half of them really don't want to know what you say. You have been hired to be the puppet doing the job and making the show. And that's fine. Yeah. I, however, love it when I have an actor who comes in and says, you know, I've been thinking about this. And I'm just suddenly realizing that because I say this in this scene, wouldn't it make sense if I, and those are those moments where I go, okay, you're in the head of the character in a way because I'm not playing it. I'm never going to be right. So let's play that out and see if it works for the entirety of the show. Yeah. Um, I always figure I'm kind of setting up the boundaries of this world of this storytelling thing that we're doing and I want the actors to play within those boundaries, but I also want them to play. I want them to be alive and have decisions. Also, it is my experience that when actors have ownership of a choice, it's clearer and it yeah. tends to be something they keep as opposed to something. Don't you hate it when you're seeing a show and you see an actor do something and you just know you're like, director made you do that. Yeah, I try to be conscious of that when I'm directing, when I when I see an actor doing something I've asked them to do and I go, yeah, you know, this isn't working. You're only you're only imitating me. This isn't working right. for you. And that's uh, that's my fault. And let's find something that works for you. Exactly. Let's riff on that. I mean, we had that a lot. Uh, I, you know, I direct Shakespeare most of the time. Mm -hmm. So there are there are lots of ins and outs as to how characters are going to end up being portrayed based on the production that you've got going. And. I really just enjoy hearing what actors think about the moment. Now, it doesn't always, I don't always say yes, because, you know, it's like herding cats. You can't always make sure they're all going in the right direction. But in general, I feel that if an actor has a very strong opinion about it, and this is an actor I've hired because I appreciate their work, then let's figure out how to make this work for the production. And this goes back to what we as directors look for in actors and what yes. actors should know when they're applying for jobs is that we we need actors who can be self-directed. We don't need actors who need their hands held and every choice dictated to them. Um, you know, right. I, and like, nobody's got time for that. Nobody's got time for that. And like every actor alive, I want all the director's attention. But unless I'm playing a star vehicle, I'm not going to get that. So therefore, I know I've got to do a lot of it myself. And I've got to give my director a lot of options, a lot of make a lot of strong choices. And she can go, yes, no, yes, no. Absolutely. And that's the stuff that I love. <laughs>
I'm Michael Whitmore, director of the Folger Shakespeare Library in Washington, D.C., and you're listening to the Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast. Where can you RSC the RSC? We'll perform the complete history of comedy abridged five times this April of 2023, on April 1st in Reston, Virginia, on April 8th at the McCarter Theater in Princeton, New Jersey, then in Pueblo, Basalt, and Lone Tree, Colorado on April 19th, 21st, and 22nd of 2023. Check out the touring page at our website, ReducedShakespeare.com, or our Twitter feed at Reduced for the latest information. Now back to my conversation with Janice L. Blixt, the producing artistic director of the Michigan Shakespeare Festival, talking about the very small percentage of inquiry letters she receives, the worst of which tend to offer unsolicited advice. We do get a lot of people who write and say things like, I don't do a lot of Shakespeare, but I'm either interested in learning or I did some in college and I'd love to be considered, right? And you go, that's great. But we also get a couple every year, remember five to 700, a couple every year, I get our, our kind of like finger wagging, you know, you would be a better off company and I would like to work for you if you didn't do this stupid Shakespeare stuff. Oh my goodness. And again, it's usually one of those things where you sort of go, okay, and you look at the resume and it's someone who does a lot of musicals, which are great. By the way, I'm a huge fan. It's just not my mission. Mm -hmm. Um, Or it's someone who, and this has happened a few times, it's someone that I've met in passing socially a few times and they think they're giving me good advice. Oh, the worst. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have come to the conclusion that anytime someone starts with, you know what you should do? I just shut down completely, like in any part of my life. It's a thing. But it's. You should direct on Broadway. That's what I think. Yes. You know what? You should call over to Broadway and see if they're looking. Oh, okay. Knock on Broadway's door. I will definitely do that. I'll send a cover letter. Um, so yeah, I I get advice a lot. Um, one of the ones that always gets me is, and we get a bunch of these. We get a whole bunch of these every year, and it's from people who just got out of a grad program or just got out of an undergrad program, um, and they put in their cover letter that they are a fully trained classical actor with years of experience and love for the bard. Um, by the way, the bard always makes me cringe a little. Like anyone who uses it seriously makes me cringe. A it's a trigger for some people. I don't have that problem, yeah. but I understand. I, I don't. It's not going to. And, and, and you should know that that's a triggering term for some people if you right. are a, years of experience with the bard. Right. I, I'm never going to shut someone down because of it. Right. But I, you know, I, I see these people and they're what they're doing is they're trying to tell me how much they love it. And they're showing their passion and their excitement in this cover letter that's three paragraphs long about their joy in Shakespeare. And then I also have their resume in front of me. And I'm like, kid, you're 22. You did one Shakespeare play in college. You took what looks like a deep dive Shakespeare class, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. But I am not expecting you to be Ian McKellen at the age of 22. One of the other ones that I love that we get all the time are the actors who are making it very clear that they would consider 
doing a show in Michigan. But they're in LA or New York or Chicago or Atlanta or any of the other, you know, big city markets. And so if you're looking for a Hamlet, I'll consider <laughs> it. You know, I get a ton of those every year yeah, where I'm like, sure. that's so cute. I don't know who you are, but. Do you see this? Uh, uh, this is more true of um, uh, older actors, I would say late 20s and early 30s and, uh, and above. But I was you say, look yeah, at the, those older actors, those really elderly <laughs> actors in their 30s. Um, the the you, you look at their resume and they only have one credit at a dozen different theaters. That's a huge red flag. Yeah, that is. A, and, and this is something that I tell young actors, like if a theater hired you to be fourth soldier on the left. And then the next year hired you to be Laertes in Hamlet. Put both on your resume. Yes. Because that was a company that liked you enough when you were fourth soldiering yeah. that they went, hey, I want to bring him back. Yeah, there are a, a bunch of resumes that I get. And, and that, of course, I'm not sure. Did they edit it and only put the roles that were important? Or is this someone who like lights a match and burns that bridge every time they work? None of these things are going to get you the job. Right. But they are the little things that help in getting you noticed. You look at it and you go, Austin liked this actor, hired him three times. Okay. That tells me this is an okay person to be in the room with. Right. Because this director was willing to do it repeatedly. Yeah. And that's so much of it. It the the time on stage is almost the least of what we're what we're looking for when we hire you. I w I was doing a uh, talk with some students at Shy Arts, and they were like, "Okay, well, at the end of the day, like, what's the biggest, the best advice you could give us? What's the one thing?" And I said, "You're not going to want to hear it because you're going to want to hear that it has to do with your talent and your vision and your." And they're like, "No, what is it?" And I said, "Don't be a dick." That's it. I you you have read my rule book and mantra. Everything, That's, everything can mostly be boiled down to don't be a dick. A dick. And a lot of the dear actors, if you look at them over the years, they are in response to someone writing in and whether they intended it or not, being a dick. So, you know, for any actor who is listening to this and going, wow, she's a horrible person. I would I'm afraid to submit to them. She's going to be really mean. The best cover letters are the ones that say. Hey, I saw you have auditions in Chicago. I'd like a slot. The ones that are intense and long oftentimes are the ones that start as the person on the other end reading it. You start sort of going, wow, I am now being lectured on how Pericles should be directed. Once again, I'm not sure this tells me I want to be in a room with this person for eight hours a day over four weeks. Particularly a play like Pericles, which can be done an infinite number of ways. Over, oh, and what play can't? Yeah, I mean, well, true. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, the other ones that I like are the, um, this was really big in the Hamlet year, was all of these um, young actors writing and saying that they would be perfect for Ophelia because they are Ophelia. Yeah. I would get that in cover letters. And it would make me go, oh, honey, did you read the play? Yeah. that's... That might not be a great calling card. That's, no, no, that's, we need you to finish the performance. Yeah, we need you to actually get to the end of the show yeah. every time. Every single time. Every single time. Um, so we get that a lot. Um, there are the cover letters that are uh, very upfront end up saying, these are the roles I will consider playing. 
that's a conversation to have when they express interest in you. I'm always telling young actors, don't put your age on your resume Mm -hmm. because you are as old as I think you are. Right. And that's another thing that comes up with a lot of cover letters when we've announced a season. You know, someone will write in and say, I am perfect for Lennox. You know, we're doing Mac this summer. So pulling that out of nowhere. But I am absolutely perfect for Lennox. And there's that little part of me that goes, I don't know what that means. And you don't know what perfect for Lennox is in this production. Yeah. Because... I don't know yet. So again, I think some of the things that we put, and when I say we, I'm just going to say actors as a whole, mm-hmm. the things that we would put in a cover letter where we are trying to show that we are excited and that we are passionate and that we're connected are the same things that makes the person on the other side go, oh, whoa, whoa, take a step back. Okay. Cover letter writing is an art. It's yes. As important as acting. And it's and it's it's hard. And keep it brief. Reduce your cover letters. This is what I'm hearing from you. This this is what I'm saying. That's it for this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast, except for one more thing, which I'll share with you in about 60 seconds, so stick around. Send us your clumsy cover letter response via email to feedback at reducedshakespeare.com or throw a comment to us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram or on our own actual website, reducedshakespeare.com or visit my website, theshakespeareans.com. You can also follow Janice L. Blixt on Twitter at Jan Blixt. Thanks, as always, to undercover letter writer Matthew Croak, Web services by Ginger Power Limited. Music by John Weber and Garage Band. Our random fan shout-out this week goes to Charles Leggett. No reason, it's just random. Special thanks to Michael Whitmore, the director of the Folger Shakespeare Library in Washington, D.C. And as always, thanks very much to you for listening. Please continue to stay safe, get all your boosters, and keep your masks on. I'm Austin Tishner, 846-2538ths of the Reduced Shakespeare Company. Jan, thank you so much for spending, taking time away from your family's President's Day festivities. Well, the parade already happened, you know, (laughs) so until the fireworks and the cake tonight, we don't have a lot going on. This podcast is a production of the Reduced Shakespeare Company. Reducing expectations since 1981. Go to ReducedShakespeare.com for performance dates, actor bios, email newsletters, and so much less. 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 And so much less.